Hello, I'm Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I am so excited about another episode of our podcast. In today's episode, I'm extremely excited for you to hear a conversation with Jackson Shipley. Jackson is no stranger to the world of sports, especially to our Texas listeners. He's the son of a successful high school football coach, Coach Bob Shipley, the younger brother of Jordan. Jordan had a very successful career at the University of Texas as wide receiver, where Jackson went on to follow in his footsteps and have a great career at University of Texas, followed by a short career with Arizona Cardinals. Jackson now returned to Austin where he has Shipley Performance, where he works with young student athletes to improve on the field, but also off the field. He's married. They have a 19-month-old son. And so without further delay, let's get right into the conversation with Jackson. Thanks for joining me today, Jackson. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me on. You bet. So there may be some listeners who aren't familiar with with you or your background. So let's start this podcast with you sharing a little bit about your background um, growing up here in Texas where um, sports, but football in particular, is is major. It's a, it's a big deal. And not only did you play high school football in Texas, also grew up the son of a successful high school football coach. So talk about growing up in Texas and a little bit about your family. Well, so I grew up, like you said, as a coach's son. My dad played ball at uh, Burnett High School. That's where he graduated from and went on to play fullback at Abilene Christian University and um, and then went on from there. And he actually had a two coaching stints at Abilene Christian. One of them, he was, um, I believe one of them, he was the O-line coach. And he had another time that he was the offensive coordinator. And um, and so, or maybe he was the O-line and offensive coordinator, something like that. Um, so he was there for a while. And then just from the time that I was little, you know, I was around the game. He was, he was always uh, up there at the office and we were always usually up there with him. Most of the time we had our shoes off. Most people that remember me and my siblings from, you know, our childhood, they're surprised that we even still, that we're wearing shoes these days. Most of the time we were barefoot running around the fields. I remember doing gassers with my dad's offensive line when I was in about first, first grade or so. They'd be doing their, they'd be doing their conditioning and I'd hop in there. But of course I went with the linemen so that I could, I could win. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. But, uh, but yeah, so from the time I could, you know, really even remember I was around the game and I developed a, a love for the game. I think from watching my older brother, Jordan from, I think probably around his eighth grade year, we had moved from Abilene to Rotan and Rotan is a one, a school and they are the, Yota, are the, the Rotan yellow hammers. Wow. But the, the funny part about it is that they're actually orange. So I don't, <laughs> I never, I never really understood that one, but, but a one, a school, it was my dad's first head coaching job and Jordan was in eighth grade. And I think just kind of watching him go out there and, you know, really just dominate the field. It inspired me to really, in a sense, want to be like him. And, um, and so then his first year as a, as first year in high school, uh, as a freshman, he started there at Rotan and just had an unbelievable year. And then we moved from there to burn it. And that's when my, that's when I first started playing. So when I was in Rotan, I think the, the youth football age was like third grade. 
and I, it was one year out of reach for me. I was in second grade. And so when we moved to Burnett, I was begging my dad again, but then I found out that it was fourth grade there. So, it was, you know, every, every time we'd move somewhere, the, the age limit seemed like it'd go up, but, but I started playing, um, I think in fifth grade is when I started, started playing tackle football. We had this little league there in Burnett and originally started playing running back and quarterback. Cause that's where you got the ball most. Um, but my passion was that receiver. And so, um, as I, as I grew and got into middle school at Burnett middle school, um, you know, we had a pretty good little team at that point. And so we would, we'd launched the ball, you know, kind of all over the place. And it was, a, it was a lot of fun to be on the receiving end of some, you know, just a beautiful pass. And, uh, so anyways, you know, going into high school, we had moved to Coppell, mm-hmm. which is up in the Dallas area, somewhere close to y'all's neighborhood. And, um, so, so we were there for two years, 2008, 2000, I think it was 2007 and 2008, mm-hmm. I believe. And so my freshman year, I was on the freshman team there. And then my sophomore year, I played on varsity there at Coppell and had a great experience. We ended up having a pretty good year, lost to Allen in the second round of the playoffs that year. So, um, my dad ends up taking a job in Brownwood as a, as the head coach there. And I had a lot of family in, in Brownwood. Um, so moved there, um, finished off my career there and then went on to follow my brother's footsteps at Texas. And, you know, I had dreams and aspirations of chasing some of those goals that, or some of those records that he had set. Um, and, you know, just, it was a, an awesome time there. And, you know, there was a lot of things that I, um, accomplished that I wanted to, but there was still more out there that I wish, you know, that had situations been a little different could have achieved that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it was a, it was a, I think it was a lot of different things that factored into that. But, um, so anyways, uh, played, played there for four years and then went on and played with the Arizona Cardinals for a year and a half was on the practice squad all of 2015. And then 2016, they signed me back again and uh, made it through the last round of cuts and then got released. And so I had decided at that point, um, it was, it was kind of time for me to move on and transition into something else. And, um, long story short, I ended up starting my own business called Shipley performance, um, sports performance training business. And the, the bulk of my, the guys that I work with are wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I take a lot of things that I was, uh, that I had the, I was fortunate enough to learn playing college ball, but more specifically the year and a half that I was with the Cardinals, I learned so much from, from those guys. Um, and a lot of that stuff I'd never heard of previously. And so I kind of had a passion for trying to bridge the gap in a sense between what's being taught there and what's mm. being taught, you know, in the youth. Yeah. And there wasn't much of a trickle down effect I saw from the NFL really even into college. And, you know, of course, some of that probably had to do with the fact that Larry Fitzgerald was in the room uh-huh. and I'm sure that he probably taught our receivers coach a few things, you know, so, <laughs> so I was just, I was just really fortunate to be in that situation uh, met a lot of good friends and teammates, and uh, those guys are guys that you know I'll keep up with probably for a long time. That's awesome. So you mentioned obviously growing up around football and and always wanting to play football. Did you play other sports? I did. So I used to play baseball when I was when I was young, uh, but I didn't I didn't play that for too long. I think I played until about sixth or seventh grade, and then I played basketball until I was a freshman in high school. And I ran track. So I ran track all the way through high school. 
as well. So football and track are my two main sports. Looking back, I wish I would have played a little golf in high school too. Yeah. I've, I've grown to, I've grown to really love golf since probably my early part of my college career. My buddies and I would start going out and playing a uh, round of golf back in our hometown. And I, I wish that we could have all just played on the same team at Brownwood, but <laughs> track was really going on at that same time too. So I don't know if it would have really worked out. Yeah. So you mentioned your older brother, Jordan, what's the age difference between the two of y'all? It's seven years. Oh, okay. So yeah. So most people, most people, when they ask that question and I tell them seven years, they're really surprised. Uh, I think that that's because there was only one year between the time Jordan left Texas and the time I got ah, there. Okay. And that's because Jordan was in, he was there for six years. So his first year he tore his ACL and was out that whole year. And his next year he tore his hamstring four times, kept trying to come back too early. And so really didn't step onto the field for the first time until his third season. And oh, okay. so ended up, ended up filing for a medical redshirt after his fifth season or after his fifth year there, which would have been his third season actually playing and they granted him his uh, medical redshirt. So he was there for six years. I think 04, I think he got there in 04, and 09 was his last season. 2011 was my first season. Oh, okay. So was the time or with him, you know, kind of being ahead of you a few years, was what was y'all's relationship like when it came to sports? Was it competitive? Was there any jealousy, you know, looking up to older brother and his success that he had? Oh, no, there was never any jealousy. There was never any um, jabs taken at one another. I mean, it, we were so far, I think, um, away from each other in terms of age yeah. that it was it was more just cheering each other on and encouraging. Awesome. I say encouraging one another. He encouraged me. I was I don't know how much encouragement he could have taken from me, <laughs> giving him encouragement. But but I, I got encouragement from him. And, you know, it was a really, really cool relationship and. You know, I would still consider him probably my best friend. You know, he's someone that I have always, you know, respected a lot as a as a human being, mm -hmm. you know, not just on the football field because he goes about things the right way. And um, I was able to watch his career and the way that he handled himself during, during um, his career. And when things, you know, really took off for him, he, he stayed the same, stayed humble and, and, you know, stayed grounded. And I think that's a testament also to, you know, I guess our dad, um, I, I can remember growing up and, you know, being in sports and stuff and Jordan can probably attest to this too, but there was never with my dad, if you got a, a good job or, you know, or, you know, a great, awesome, awesome job out there, you had to have done something really, really mm. great, you know? And so not, not saying that, you know, he was someone who didn't give encouragement. He did, but he also he also was one to, um, you know, he just wasn't just going to hand out compliments right. either. So, so I think that that really made Jordan and I both. Of course, you want to make your dad proud, mm -hmm. and so I think just really striving to be great um, is something that we both did for ourselves, but also to make to make him proud. And and uh, and so I think some of that had to do with the fact that. Um, my dad had played college ball before and was a high school football coach. And we knew that him being both of our head coaches um, or our head coach, we knew that he had to, he had to probably treat us a little bit differently than he would have to treat others on the team. And so he was always a little harder on us. Cause yeah. I think, I think the, you know, the deal is 
if you're going to have a son um, and you're the head coach, if you're going to have a son on the team, you better be either really good or really bad. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of, it's kind of a, tr- it's kind of a tricky situation, man, because he didn't, he didn't want to just play his son just, just because it was his son out right. there. And so he had a certain level of expectation for us and he knew that he couldn't hold his team to a high standard if we didn't live up to that standard first in terms of work ethic and what was expected of us, not necessarily performance, but he expected us to be the hardest workers out there. And so, so that was, uh, that was something that I took with me and still, you know, take with me to this day. That's very good. So, you know, you mentioned several moves. What was it like, um, you know, moving, especially, um, you know, you mentioned playing here at Coppell. So, you know, moving between the sophomore and junior year, what's it like, you know, always, you know, as a coach, some always have to be prepared, I guess, for the next for the next step. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, you're kind of a nomad. It seems like you're you're moving from from place to place. Um, and one thing that I at, at the time I didn't like was I'd start to get really comfortable at a place, and mm. you know, you start to build these really close relationships with everybody, and you really like the town. And then you know, there comes that conversation where it's, hey, son, you know, we're gonna. Uh, we're going to move to, you know, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. And that was always really tough at the time. I would always be pretty frustrated, um, except I will say this. I was pretty excited to move from Coppell to Brownwood. And the reason is not that I didn't like Coppell. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, I liked Coppell a lot. I was a little more of a small town mm. um, guy. And so I'd never really lived in the city before. And so, now, Coppell is not a huge city, but it's within, you know, oh, yeah. the DFW area. And Absolutely. So I felt, I kind of felt trapped in a sense. You know, I was used to getting out and being able to go find some land and, you know, just that kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of deal. And so when we moved from Coppell to Brownwood, I was pretty excited. Um, another reason why I was excited was because a lot of my cousins had gone through the Brownwood program before, and there was a lot of great tradition there. And I grew up kind of wanting to go to Brownwood High School from the time I was young. Um, when we lived in Burnett, my cousins were playing in Brownwood, and it was uh, they always had a great team, just a lot of tradition. We mm. spent a lot of family holidays there. And so I was excited, you know, for that fact too. But it was tough, you know, anytime that you're, especially as you get older and you're in high school, yeah. anytime that you um, have to pick up and leave what you've become accustomed to, sometimes that can be difficult, especially if you have, really close relationships with people. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've already talked about, you know, you went on to play at University of Texas. So was that always a dream to play there? I mean, what was the recruiting process like? Did Was you zeroed in just on Texas or, um, or were there yeah, other options? I mean, well, so from the time I can remember, I, I bled orange, man. I was, I was a longhorn from the time I was, you know, I can remember being second grade and trying to convince Jordan to go to Texas. <laughs> where <laughs> I'll never forget, we had a little ping pong table in our garage and burn it. And we're sitting there playing, and Jordan's getting recruited by everybody. And it was coming down to the wire uh, between – he had decided kind of between Texas and Texas Tech. And his argument was at Texas Tech, he could go there and catch 12 to 15 balls a game. Mm. And, uh, but, but at the same time, he could go to Texas and maybe not catch quite as many balls, but have a good chance of going to the NFL. And, um, cause he didn't want to be, you know, considered a system guy at uh-huh. Texas tech, which, you know, that, that happens not as much these days. They've obviously put out some great talent in the NFL, 
But I think at that time, a lot of people just thought of Texas Tech um, as system guys, and that's not always the case. Um, so anyways, I was trying to convince him, man, you need to go to Texas. You, I'm just telling you, man, that's, that's the place to be. And I started talking about Roy Williams and you know, all these different people. And he probably doesn't even remember that, but, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was something for me that I always knew in the back of my mind. That was, that was my goal was to go play at the university of Texas. And I think that didn't become a reality for me until, I guess it was after my sophomore year. I ended up having a pretty good season there in Coppell my sophomore year. And then uh, after that year, I went to a Texas, a Texas mini camp in the summer. And after the camp, um, I talked to Coach Brown, and he had kind of hinted at the fact that um, they were looking to potentially offer me a scholarship. And um, that was the first school that I'd heard from at all. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where nothing's official until, I think, after your junior year or I think after Christmas. I didn't get an offer from them until they could officially offer me. So uh -huh. when they offered me a scholarship, I believe that was on junior day of, my jun of junior year. So I think that was early January or early February. I can't quite remember. But uh, – uh, for recruiting and stuff at the time. And they, that's one thing about Texas and Mac Brown was, man, they didn't bend any rules mm -hmm. at all. So that's one thing that I always actually really respected about him was you never really hear about him doing anything to bend rules. He's, he's, a he's as, as solid as they come. So, you know, when, when he was able, when they were able to communicate with me, they would communicate with me. But other than that, you know, I didn't, I didn't get an offer until I guess the beginning of my junior year. Um, or the beginning of January of that year. Yeah. And so, you know, right then and there I committed, it was a dream of mine and I didn't, I didn't even care about looking into different options. I knew that that was the place I wanted to be. And so, you know, I committed to them right then and there. And, um, I had been getting like a lot of letters and stuff up mm -hmm. at the school. And when I committed to them, you know, I'd still get some letters here and there, but I wouldn't hear much. And I think that was, probably had to do with the fact that, you know, it was, it was probably apparent that I was pretty firm on that commitment. Yeah. And, and so when coach Brown ended up firing Greg Davis, that was the offensive coordinator there in 2010 and um, Bobby Kennedy, the wide receivers coach in 2010. Um, I had different schools started calling me at that point, wanting to know if I would wanted to change my mind, you know, because those guys who were recruiting me were leaving and all that. But to be honest, I, th I think that I was so enamored by the rich history of Texas and just the growing up watching my brother play there and all that, that it didn't matter who the coach was. I was If I had a scholarship offer there, I was going to go there. So that's, that's kind of my recruiting story is probably much different than most, but, but it was, uh, I wouldn't have probably had it any other way. And I found out later that actually my dad only sent my, my film to one school and that was to Texas. Oh. <laughs> so, and, and that was, that was early on. He would have sent them to more, you know, had they not shown interest. Right. Um, but at that point, you know, I guess we didn't really feel like playing games uh, with any coaches or, you know, any of that stuff. We'd just rather go ahead and commit to the place we wanted to go and not, not drag anything on for a long time. That's awesome. I mean, to get to play for, you know, your childhood, dream school. I mean, that's, that's incredible. 
it was it was a lot of fun, man. It was uh, it was everything that I hoped it'd be in terms of just being up there at an awesome university and getting and um, you know playing for those guys that played before you and all that. No, obviously I would have liked to win a few more games and a championship and those other things. But as far as just being a part of that program, it was a, a time that I'll cherish forever. What would you say is like of all your sports, high school, college, and time with the Cardinals, what would you say is one of your greatest accomplishments or greatest memories? Um, you know, I, I think, um, I think when I was in high school, I look back now and realize that in high school, it's, it means not that it means so much more necessarily, but the people that you're around are people that you spend time with off the field a lot. Mm -hmm. And so people that you, um, have really, really close relationships with, you know, I moved into Brownwood and it was a pretty seamless transition for me, probably because I was a small town kid at heart. Mm -hmm. and um, I'd grown up going to Brownwood for family reunions and all that, and so I got plugged in there pretty quick and built some really strong relationships with those guys. was only there for two and a half years, but, you know, two or three of those guys, three of those guys were in my wedding. Oh, wow. Um, years ago. So, you know, it's just a special type of people there in Brownwood, and and um, so, you know, I think that the the thing that I was probably most proud of was the way that, our team in high school who wasn't expected to be all that great. I remember the coach that was there before my dad uh, pulled my dad aside when he was, um, when my dad was interviewing and just, he had kind of said, Hey, you know, it's dry here. The talent's gone. Cause they'd had some really, a lot of talent come through there. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I guess it was now seen at that time as, you know, being dry and not really having the athletes anymore, but he ended up taking the job anyways. And so, there were pretty low expectations. I think that first year and we went three rounds deep wow. and then, and then the next year, um, just the guys, the way that, that everybody rallied together. And I truly have never seen, um, more of a team, you know, in my life. I mean, guys were, were not playing for themselves. They were playing for each other and they didn't want the person next to them. They didn't want to let them down. And so just, just striving for greatness, I think, when, when all the odds were against you. And we ended up making it to the semifinals that next year. So we went five rounds deep that second year and um, got beaten the semifinals to a team um, that had won the state championship two, the, the last two years before that and ended up winning that year. We got beat at the last second, and then they ended up rolling that, the team that they played in the state championship. So, you know, I wish that we could have won a state championship every time I go back home. I still, we have, every time I see somebody that was there during that time, um, just fans or, you know, whoever it is, the program, everybody always, you know, wants to talk about that year, that 2010 yeah. season. It was a magical season, you know, and all that. Just happy to be able to um, have come together as a team and, and really, I guess, prove a lot of people wrong. So that was probably that was probably the most proud that that I've been not of myself necessarily but of a team that I was a part of yeah and then in college um you know things are a little bit different you're still close with guys but you don't you don't grow up with them you know mm -hmm. really and so it's the dynamic is a little bit different now you've got a lot of pressure on your back you're you're playing for your university and millions that are watching across uh, really all over the world mm -hmm. and so it's just a different dynamic but it's still also really really fun and um, I think that 
probably my, my favorite thing and the best accomplishment that we had when I was there was beating A&M that, uh, my freshman year, the last game that Texas played A&M. That was a special, a really, really special game and probably my most memorable moment, most, most memorable game for sure at Texas. Yeah, that game was, was that game at College Station, right? Yes, sir, it was. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, being a big college football fan, I definitely remember that game and just the impact it had on the whole state. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that that game is huge. Um, just the Texas A&M and Texas game in general. Oh, yeah. I think I think everybody's kind of trying to get it get it back rolling again. I think it's good for the state, honestly. Absolutely. But, you know, the fact that A&M went uh, to the SEC, I think that changed things up a bit. And hopefully, hopefully now with, um, you know, new coaches and stuff and, and, uh, and all that, that, maybe they'll be able to bring the game back. I hope that they will. I, I really think that it's great for the state. Absolutely. Yeah, even the ones who don't have a particular rooting interest. I mean, that's just – I just remember Thanksgiving. That's what, that's just what you did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so this podcast is, you know, we talk a lot about sports, but also about faith. So let's shift a little bit to your faith. Um, did you grow up um, in the church around faith? Yes, I did. So um, actually, my grandfather was a was the preacher at the at the small church that I went to in Burnett, Texas. Oh, wow. So so we grew up uh, going to church pretty much every time that the, door, that the doors were open. And, um, you know, I remember going to Sunday school class and, and then Wednesday night we'd have class and, you know, all that. And, um, but, you know, to be honest, I think that, um, especially looking back on it at that time, I was, you know, I, I did, it didn't really mean much to me. Mm-hmm. I think that I was more so obviously I had to go, but, you know, it was one of those things where I was doing it strictly because that's what I was told to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that it wasn't until I guess my sophomore year in college where I finally kind of, you know, developed a close relationship with Christ mm. um, in a meaningful way that, that really changed my life. And, and so I remember growing up, you know, when I was young and burnt it and then even on in high school, I just did, I just did the right thing because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to make my dad mad. You know, I didn't want to upset anybody in the family and as well as I just didn't want to get in trouble. You know, Mm -hmm. I just knew it wasn't the right thing to do. And so that was my motivation for the longest time. And, um, you know, I remember, I remember like telling myself, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, sometimes you end up doing those things and it's like, I didn't understand why I would do them if I didn't want to, you know, I knew I didn't want to, but, but it was, uh, it was like that probably until my sophomore year in college. And then we had a Bible study on the team that I started going to. And then we had some guys that would go to this church called the Austin stone. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, um, an, um, an amazing church in Austin. It's a non-denominational church. And I grew up church of Christ and, um, you know, I think, yeah, you know, I don't think that it was that I hadn't heard the gospel when I was growing up. I think my ears just weren't open to it hmm. or my eye, you know, I, I didn't, I hadn't received it in a way that really meant something to me. It's like kind of out of the blue, I started reading, um, I told my buddy, Josh Cochran, that was a starting left tackle at Texas at the time. He was my roommate, one of my good buddies, also a, one of the best people that I've ever met in my whole life. 
And um, I had gotten injured in the preseason of, I think, going into my sophomore year. And I told him, I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to try to read through the whole Bible. I've never, I've never done that before. Uh, and I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get on that 90 day plan that I think you verse, whatever it is, not you verse, um, Bible. I can't remember. The you version. Maybe it is, maybe it is you version. Yeah. Something like that. And so I, I tried the 90 day plan and I remember at the time he was kind of like, all right, you're going to read a little bit of that and get to the, some of that old stuff, some of the stuff in the old Testament with the genealogies and all that and, and give it up, you know? And I was like, you might be right. I don't know. We'll see. And so I started, I started in at the beginning, you know, in, in Genesis and, and it was really cool because I hadn't read any of those stories, uh, those old Testament stories mm-hmm. since, since I was young in Sunday school at my grandfather's church. And so, but when I was reading them, it brought me back to, you know, coloring some of those coloring books and stuff oh, yeah. that you do with like Moses and, you know, oh, yeah. Noah and Jonah, you know, and all those different things. And so I remember just getting really excited reading some of those Old Testament stories. And that's kind of where it started. And I, you know, I made my way through um, the Old Testament. Some of it was pretty hard to do, um, you know, when you get to some of the genealogies mm-hmm. or or some of the... Um, some of the laws that are in the old Testament, just instructions for making an altar and, you know, all those things um, just kind of had to make my way through that. And then I got to the new Testament and that's when everything changed. Hmm. Uh, and I think it was, I think it was because I finally for the first time had read through um, the, the old Testament. I'd never read the old Testament before really, other than just hearing a few stories. And so I kind of read and understood, I guess the past and the history hmm. of, of what all had happened in the prophets and, you know, the prophecies and all those kind of things that now I was somewhat familiar with. And, you know, reading it in 90 days, of course, those things I didn't pick up on. Right. I, I, I need to go back and, you know, read again and all that. But but I got the gist of most of it. And so um, when I got to the New Testament, um, I started reading about Jesus. And at that time, that's when I started going to Austin Stone. It was kind of at the perfect time. Hmm. And so, you know, I started reading about Jesus and what he had done for us and just his life and, and the way he was a servant and had come down, you know, from heaven, you know, and put on flesh and, and be one of us. And, and I'd never, you know, I never really heard it like that before. And now I was kind of looking at it with a new lens, I guess. Um, having read the Old Testament and seeing kind of the law, the Old Testament law and the way that the Jews and Israelites, um, the way that they were required to um, sacrifice, you know, goats and bulls and, you know, all those things in order to cover their sins and all that. Well, I had heard that my whole childhood, but I had no idea that that was a shadow of what was to come, a shadow of, you know, the true spotless lamb. The only, the only thing that would Mm -hmm. actually totally take away our sins, Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and his his sacrifice on the cross. And I started connecting the dots to some of those things and at that time, that's when I felt like I was ripe, I guess, to, it was, I felt like that was a time that the Lord had chosen for me to, for him to really reveal himself to me. And so, um, man, I just, I went all in. I mean, that's all I could do was sit wow. there and, you know, read and, and just talk to guys on the team and try to get them to, to experience what I had just experienced. And um, so, you know, it was just a really cool time in my life. And from there, 
you know, I think that that from that point on, my life has definitely been changed in the sense of just, I think, having kind of like a heart transplant mm -hmm. in a sense. You know, the things that you desire to do may not necessarily be the same things that you desire to do prior to knowing Christ in a personal way. And so um, I found myself not wanting to do some of those things that previously I hard, had a hard time um, avoiding some temptations and things of that nature. Um, you know, of course, you still have struggles. That's, you know, that's that's part of it. But I think your your desire changes. I think for me, it was more so I was so thankful and humbled by the fact that that God would come down, you know, and Jesus would come down in human form and, you know, leave the riches of heaven and and all the glory of heaven, everything there and come down because because he loved us so much and, and knowing that there was no way that that we could live a perfect life mm. and we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't obey the law to a T. And if we and if we were wrong on one of those, I think it was six hundred and thirteen laws or whatever it is in the Old Testament, if you were if you had messed up on one of those or broken one of those mosaic laws, well then you were considered guilty. I mean guilty, not just yeah. You know, for the most part, you you did it right. I mean, if you if you messed up one time, you are guilty, and the wages of sin is death. And so, I think just it really hit home for me when I kind of realized the depth of the love that it took for him to literally come down in human form and be a servant and and live a life that that we couldn't live in order for us to be able to you know live with him in heaven forever and be that sacrifice for us so that, you know, his righteousness could be credited to us, um, not by anything that we had done, but by our belief in him Amen. as, you know, that perfect sacrifice. And so the more that, you know, I dug into it, you know, it's like it just gets better and better and better. And, and it's still that way. I think anybody who's experienced something like that and experienced um, the Lord and, and realized how much, how much love it takes and what a miracle it is for him to come down and do that for us when we did nothing really for him, mm -hmm. but it was just out of pure love. I think that that, that will really change you. I, I really think so. And so obviously I'm not perfect by any means. I still mess up all the time, but I think just the desires that you have, you want, I think I got to a point where I was so thankful that I was like, I, I have to honor him with my life because I'm so thankful for what he's done for me. Man, that's powerful. You know, as you know, you talk about the Old Testament. I've had those similar struggles of the, you know, part of it being very difficult. And just this morning, I read and I'm going through a, a new devotional. A friend of mine had written just talking about simplifying the Advent season and and. You know, at the very end of it, she says, Christ's love and grace are woven throughout each of the eight sections of the Bible. You know, the law, the history, the poetry, the prophecy, and then the end of the New Testament. It's just a reminder that, you know, what you were saying is when you go back and read the Old Testament, that really from the very beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, it's all about Jesus. And yeah, God, it and, is. You know, and God's plan to redeem us from our sins. So that's, man, that's, that's a powerful testimony. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. I know, you know, just listening to it just encouraged me to um, you know, spend a little more time looking back. You know, I'm a I have no problems digging in deep into the New Testament, but there's part, uh -huh. you know there's parts of the Old Testament that it's like ah not today, 
Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no. It's so, I get to the point too, sometimes, you know, it's, you hear people say all the time, well, new Testament, new Testament, that's what we live by, you know, and, and that's true. You know, that's when things change, but you know, at the same time, there's so many scriptures in the old Testament where when I was reading it for the first time, when I was taking that challenge, I didn't know that it was talking about Christ. Right. I didn't know that until I got to the New Testament. Right. And I'd see references. I would I like I like to read when I read, I like to go through like a chapter pretty slowly and may yep. take me an hour. But I, I like to read through it and then I've got this Bible that was given to me um in high school and it's got it's got really interesting notes at the bottom and references and all these things. So every verse that lines up with not every single verse has notes, but but most of the verses will have notes and it'll give you more background on, let's say it's uh, Romans 5, 15 or whatever it is. Well, right underneath that at the bottom of the page, it'll say Romans 5, 15 notes. Well, kind of this was what was going on at that time or this means this, especially in that culture or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I started reading the New Testament and I'd see something that was referencing something in the Old Testament. Maybe it was a prophecy fulfilled or whatever. And you go back and you look at that scripture in the Old Testament and you say, huh, I, I had no idea that's what it was talking about. Mm. And most of the time it's hard to even remember right. that exact verse. But but sometimes I'll look back and say, I remember reading this, you know, before I actually even understood at all that it was talking about Jesus. And so it is, it's just, it's woven, his redemptive story is woven throughout the whole Bible, all in the Old Testament. And I remember reading those Old Testament stories of them, you know, setting up the altar and all these different requirements. And it has to be, everything has to be to the certain measurements and everything else. And at the time you're like, what, why is this important? You know, and then looking back um, after, after you've gotten to the New Testament and you look back at it, you realize that most of that stuff is just a shadow of the true and better version of those. Oh, so, amen. Yeah. It's just a, most of that stuff is a, is a shadow of a true and better version of, of what they were doing in the old Testament to show them in a sense that yes, he, that's what he required of them at that time. But those things would never truly take away the sins of the people. Yep. You know, that's good. So, um, we have a lot of student athletes and coaches that listen to the podcast. And um, so I'm going to ask you to maybe share a little bit of advice you may have for them that um, encourage them to live out their faith and whether they're a coach or a student athlete in school. Because, I mean, it's no secret that it's it's hard to live out your faith. It can be hard in the schools today. Um, so what advice would you offer um, a student athlete or a coach that is really wanting to to be bold for Christ in their school, because whether we like it or not, sports is a platform. It can be used for good or for bad. So, you know, kind of what would you, how would you encourage somebody who is wanting to be bold for Christ through their athletics? Yeah, I would say it's, it's becoming increasingly more difficult uh, as time goes on with the way that the culture is changing and um, just, it's just getting really hard, I think, to for people to just be courageous and be bold and and live out their faith and be able to speak up in certain situations. And um, you're exactly right. I think sports provides a platform really unlike most any other thing because mm-hmm. of the popularity that it has in our world, especially here in the U.S. 
And so, and especially here in Texas. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I realized, I guess in high school, when, when you're a good athlete, most of the people in the school are, you, you become popular, I guess, in the school just because of your athletic ability. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, that's just kind of the way it is. And that also gives you some, some kind of a platform. And so I think that the biggest thing is one is put, put everything into perspective and to not place all your marbles into football Mm. because, because one thing that I, I wish that I, that I probably would have done a little more was spent more time, you know, in the word whenever I was in high school and even younger, because what I was doing is I was pretty much just listening to what I'd hear my parents say, or what I'd hear whoever it was, the church say or whatever. And, and I just kind of went by that. I didn't even, you know, I never read anything really for myself. If somebody asked me, I would probably say I had been reading, but even though I, I probably, you know, I probably hadn't been. Right. Um, so, so one thing I would say is, you know, don't just believe something just because that's what your parents believe or just because that's what other people believe around you. Um, I think it's healthy to, to do, to read on your own and to be able to develop that relationship with the Lord on your own. Um, and so that was something that I, that luckily happened for me whenever I was in college is to be able to, um, kind of see it for myself, I guess, and experience him for myself. And so that's, that's the first thing. And then as far as not putting all your um, eggs in one basket with football, realizing that football and sports, really all it is is just a game. Mm. It's a game, but it's a game that's been so blown up, you know, and hyped up here in the States that people see it as everything a lot of times. And the majority of kids, a lot of kids that I work with on a day-to-day basis, they're all great kids, but a lot of them, I think if they were totally honest, um, they're, they're living, their biggest goal is to play college football mm-hmm. or play NFL, you know, football. And there's nothing wrong with, with those goals, but I, I also think other things that are equally as important or more. And first of those is your, your relationship with the Lord. Um, second of those being just being intentional with the people around you mm. and being intentional with your family and spending time with them when you're at home, not having your phone out all the time. I know that's hard, but that's something that I think really is the, is kind of the downfall of technology. It's great. It's helped us in so many ways, but it's really hard to develop those relationships the same way when everybody's, you got five people in the room that are in the same family and all five of them are on the phone. And so that's something that I think, you know, is big too, is just develop those relationships with your family develop those relationships with your friends and, and spend time trying to develop yourself as a person. Mm. Um, and, and of course go out and try to achieve your goals on the football field or the basketball court or, or whatever it is, you know, that, that, that you want to do and go get a scholarship or, you know, whatever your goals are, um, you know, go after those things, but at the same time realize that at any moment that can be taken from you. Mm. And when that, and when that's taken from you, who are you then? And that's, that's something that, you know, I struggle with a little bit and something that I, I've heard many stories of people spend their whole entire lives from the time they can walk, you know, spending their days and their hours and, and focusing all their time and their energy and their thoughts on becoming the best athlete, the best player that they can be and neglecting other 
important matters, you know, their faith and their friendships and all that kind of stuff. And they may neglect all that, all those other things in order to go try to be the best player that they can be. And then, you know, a career ending injury happens sometimes. And, and when that happens, you know, what do you turn to? Mm. I mean, who, who are you? Are you Jackson Shipley, the football player? Is that all people know you for? Are you Jackson Shipley, you know, the, the guy who lives his life for Christ is a great husband a great father, a great friend, a great family member, people that, you know, can really see other attributes that you have outside of, oh, that's that guy that played football at Texas, yeah. you know, or whatever. And so I think that that's something that's really, really important. And I know sometimes it's hard for young young athletes because they kind of have their blinders on. They see one thing a lot of times, and that is how can I get better at my sport and how can I get there? And sometimes they don't even enjoy the journey of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I know I see it. My son's in eighth grade middle school and yeah, we see it already is, you know, he has a desire um, to play football and beyond high school. And, you know, but, you know, we talk a lot about that is it could be gone tomorrow. So who are you? You know, are you Miles Hardy who wants to play football or are you, you know, your identity is in Christ, not not on the field. And so, man, that's good. That's a good reminder, even for parents too. You know, I think, you know, I know it's hard as a parent living in the culture we live in, especially in sports, because it's, yeah. you know, everybody's trying to, every day is trying to get better, trying to, trying to put their kid in a better position to achieve that goal. So that's, absolutely that's a great reminder, e- e- even as a, as a dad for me to, you know, just, just remember what's, what's important. So that's, that's yeah, very good. For sure. And, and the thing that, the thing about that is, yeah, that's, that probably doesn't sound real great. Me saying that with my business being training athletes, right? <laughs> but, but I think, you know, it's really important to, to, you know, improve your skill set. I mean, it does take a lot of time. It's not the time necessarily. It's your focus of, you know, being able to turn that on and off. Right. And so if you want to be good at anything, it takes a lot of practice. Absolutely. I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying cut back on your practice, cut back on this or that. I'm talking about what's most important to you and where do you find your identity? Right. Um, now if you want to be the best athlete that you can be, and you want to be the best wide receiver that you can be in my case, or in a lot of kids that I work with case, you have to spend a lot of dedicated time to doing that. If you truly have a goal of going and playing at an elite level in college, that's just, that's just the way it is. Oh, absolutely. So gifted that, you know, which sometimes the, the gifted guys, when they get to high school, they do unbelievable. And then when, get to, when they get to college, they struggle because they're sloppy with mm-hmm. their technique or whatever it is. Um, so I'm not saying don't spend time, you know, getting better and, and working on your craft. That's very important. I'm just saying know your worth and know that it's not in what you're doing right now in terms of sports. Man, that's, that's a great word. And I know, um, you know, as an organization, a sports outreach organization, um, that was, you know, we chose the name All In Sports Outreach because of um, words All In from Colossians 3.17. You know, no matter what you do in word or deed, do it in the, in the name of Christ. We talk to kids all the time, whether it's a sports camp or in schools, talking to middle school sports teams. It's you know, we're not telling you to, to be soft or not to work hard at sports, but, you know, if you're on the football field, then you need to be given 100% there. When you're at home, yes, sir. when you're at home, where you're in the classroom, it doesn't matter where you are. But number one, you know, is your identity is in Christ, but that doesn't mean that you don't compete. 
Yes, sir. Absolutely. There's, there's a fine line there that I think sometimes people think, are you telling me don't, don't care about it very much? Are you telling me not to work as hard at it? And it's not at all what I'm saying, but, um, you know, it's, it's just knowing, knowing that balance of in, in in terms of, you know, who you are as a person, it's just not getting those things twisted up. Absolutely. Man, that's good. Well, I wanted, I wanted to also say this, uh, I'm thankful for organizations like the one that you are a part of because, uh, I think that there's a huge need for that, especially in today's society and the way that things are going in, you know, in sports and just in just the world that we live in, it's so easy for, for guys to just, you know, be selfish and to play sports for themselves and, you know, to get all these awards for themselves and to do all these things and to neglect their walk with Christ. And so just having, you know, someone who is kind of on the same, in the same mindset, I guess, as what I try to take. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's really, really cool to know that there's people out there and organizations out there that are making a conscious effort to, to make sure that Christ is still um, the, the biggest part of your life, um, but that you can also be an unbelievable athlete and player at the same time. Good. I, I appreciate the encouragement. I know as a dad, I tell my son all the time, because your identity is in Christ, then you should be the hardest working person on the field. Yes, sir. And that should That's drive great. your desire for success, not, yes, sir. not the other way around. So mm-hmm. that's good. Man, I appreciate you taking the time um, to share a little bit about your story. And just I know I've always been encouraged watching from afar um, how the Shipley family carries themselves with character and, you know, dignity and passion for Christ. I appreciate you um, taking some time today to kind of give us a glimpse of that and encourage us. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a blast. You bet. You know, and it's, it's just a message that, um, you know, that's kind of what drove us to to start the podcast was, you know, we just think that through sports is a um, a, a great way to to keep shining the light of Christ and encourage people because everybody likes a good sports story. So, so again, thank you. And, and to our listeners, we always, always want to say thank you for uh, listening to the podcast, for sharing it with family and friends. And just know if you're a Facebook user, you can keep up with us at All In Sports Outreach or on our website at allinsportsoutreach.org. We love hearing your feedback. So you can contact us e- either place. So uh, thank you again for listening and keep sharing. Thank you.